It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 122 of The Big Cruise Podcast. Uh, my name is Baz, I'm your host, and uh, this has been recorded on uh, Sunday the 13th of November, but the majority of this podcast was recorded earlier in the week. As uh, you may recall from the last episode, Chris was embarking on board a, a Cunard ship and sailing around Australia as part of his maritime uh, history lecture series which he often does for, for Cunard um, so he's going to be bringing uh, little snippets of what's happening on board as he uh, not only embarks on the ship but also from what's happening uh, as the ship sails around the the southwest coast there so the majority of today's podcast will be coming uh, from the ship uh, recorded uh, by Chris of course which means we don't have an awful lot of time for cruise news so we're going to skip cruise news this week and also apologize to the listeners that sent in their questions um, Adrian, you sent in a great question around uh, Pride of America in Hawaii. Uh, we'll get to that one in the next episode, if you don't mind, um, because we really are going to focus on everything that is happening with Chris and his uh, Cunard voyage. So uh, I think we'll probably jump straight on into it. But before I do, though, uh, just a quick thank you once again for listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing it, the most important thing, with your, uh, with your friends that you think may appreciate this show. Enjoy the show. Hey Baz, well yeah, I'm here at the pier in Fremantle and I am so excited because Queen Elizabeth is right in front of me. The ship looks absolutely spectacular sitting here in Fremantle Harbour. It's such a great sight to see a internationally uh, based cruise ship, one that has an international origin of course, starting off in Singapore on this voyage, arriving into an Australian port and particularly into a West Australian port after those strict COVID lockdowns restrictions uh, have been lifted of course now allowing the cruise ships to come in. Queen Elizabeth here the big red and black funnel of the Cunard line towering above the port of Fremantle today and lots and lots of passengers seem to be boarding the ship lots of luggage being taken aboard the ship and people looking very excited. Uh, queues uh, very minimal so they're obviously managing the crowds quite well on board. We all had a, um, a pre-allocated arrival time 
Mine was at 2 p.m. So we're here just on the dot at two o'clock and we'll now think about getting on board the ship. So uh, I'll be bringing you some updates from on board this voyage, but wow, the ship looks great. It's so great to see a Cunard ship here in Australian waters once again. And this starts, of course, the start of her 2022-2023 summer season here in Australia. Picking up where the ship left off from the 2020 season, which was, of course, so very badly interrupted by the pandemic. And 31 months since the Cunard ship has been in Australian waters, the last one leaving Fremantle back in March of 2020 uh, was Queen Mary II, of course, on her way back to the UK with... Uh, only a handful of passengers on board at that time that ended the voyage abruptly here in Frio and uh, Queen Elizabeth herself she was over in Sydney at the time and set sail for Anchorage off the coast of Gladstone in Queensland and then ultimately up to the Philippines so to see the ship back see passengers boarding happy faces the Cunard funnel uh, towering above the town as I say really was it really is something that is uh, uh, a memorable experience and something that I'm very much enjoying being part of. So I'll send you more updates from on board the ship. But until then, thanks so much and uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Hello again from day two of our voyage across to Adelaide and then onwards to Melbourne. Having left Fremantle on Monday, uh, we are now at sea in the Great Australian Bight in the Southern Ocean. So uh, a little bit of a recap of where we've been so far. Departure from Fremantle late uh, in the evening, but the ship left on time. Uh, the lines were slipped. There was a lot of excitement on the top deck uh, as we made our way out of uh, Fremantle. In fact, um, Queen Elizabeth did a, a fantastic uh, 180 turn in the port with the Azipod system that they've got here that drives the ship. So um, very uh, elegantly turned around and sailed out. Uh, passed through the uh, Maritime Museum where there was a, a reasonable crowd of people that had come down to see the ship uh, near the new Gage Roads Brewery that's uh, in Fremantle, so quite a popular spot. And then we went out through past uh, the the entrance to the harbour and sailed out to towards open ocean. The ship actually has to go up north a little bit for a while, track around Rottnest Island and then head south. Uh, so by the next morning we were actually sailing uh, just off the coast of Cape Lewin, which is uh, where um, Western Australia has one of its uh, major uh, maritime lighthouses down there in Cape Lewin. And the first day at sea was a, a very pleasant day. In fact, uh, started off, uh, you know, relatively early, uh, half an hour forward for the time difference. So uh, woke up and uh, went down to the Cafe Corinthia on board the ship for some coffee uh, to get uh, <laughs> get the day started. And then made my way to the Lido where we had uh, had breakfast. Uh, the, the Lido has a lot of choice. The, the buffet is... Um, fully open and it's uh, back to help yourself and uh, yeah nice breakfast in the Lido and afterwards time to prepare for my first talk which was hosted in the Royal Court Theatre and was about the early years of the Cunard Line sort of tracing the history from uh, 1840 when the first ship uh, uh, first purpose-built ship I should say Britannia sailed across the North Atlantic of course Cunard did have a one ship before Britannia and that was the Unicorn which was a purchased ship that they sailed across to to Halifax and Boston and as a bit of a um, an awareness um, 
program and also to get it prepared there for the uh, coastal feeder service. But Britannia was their first built ship and we sort of traced the history of Cunard from those early days all the way through to uh, the uh, ocean liner service during World War One and the Roaring Twenties when things were starting to rebuild after the war. Uh, good crowd, good uh, amount of people coming up to have a little chat afterwards, which was so nice. Uh, and there's a there's a pretty good um, representation from the Australian-based Cunard's Cruising Down Under Facebook group here. So lots of people talking um, to me about their, their love of Cunard and how they share that on, on Facebook. So a little bit of a shout out to them. Then um, from there, it was uh, time for some lunch, a uh, lovely pub lunch in the Golden Lion. Uh, they've, they've changed the menu up a little bit. There's a few extra options there now, but I stuck with a classic, the chicken tikka and, uh, and a beer, which was very nice to just sort of sit there, chat with some friends and watch the uh, world go by. And then uh, in the evening, um, things have changed a little bit in the dining rooms on board Cunard, particularly in the Britannia dining room, whereas before there was an early seating at 6 and then a late seating at 8.30, there is now um, a set seating op- option at, that you can go to between 6 o'clock and I think it's 7 o'clock um, for set seating, but otherwise you can turn up whenever you want um, up until 9pm and get a table uh, if there's one available assigned to you as as you arrive, and we've been we've been doing that, trialing that out. It's a little bit different for for the Cunard experience, and uh, you know it's uh, something that uh, has been chatted about quite a lot online. So I thought we would give it a go to do the um, open seating options, and have actually met some really lovely people being assigned to tables just on uh, on the fly there, and uh, when you arrive. So uh, a, a bit different for Cunard, as I mentioned, but um, so far so far so good, and I think it's. Uh, you know, for some people who prefer the flexibility, it probably would work. But for those uh, traditional Cunardas who are very used to having the set tables, it will be a bit of a change um, with that new arrangement. But the staff are still very friendly. And of course, the maitre d's um, excellent uh, uh, quality of service at the entrance of the restaurant, trying to accommodate everybody uh, on board. So today, uh, a little bit a little bit different this morning, a uh, bit of a later start. I had a bit of a sleep in, which was a nice change. Um, and then uh, made my way again to Cafe Corinthia for some coffee. This morning, the uh, ship was undertaking a crew drill. So many of the services between 10 and 11 were postponed whilst the crew drill happened, but the, the cafe was still, still very busy, which was nice. And then my second talk was at 11.15 in the Royal Court Theatre, this time talking about the Cunard Queens, Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth. Now, this talk, you know, we allocated between 45 and 50 minutes for the talk. This one generally runs over because I have so much to say, but um, because it started a little bit later due to the crew drill, um, I only had 45 minutes exactly to give the talk before the next lecture was going to start. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a sprint. Uh, I let the audience know at the, at the beginning, I'm going to be going through things quite fast and we made it at the end at exactly 45 minutes and um, very, very uh, thrilled to get a, a very uh, enthusiastic round of applause from the crowd um, in the Royal Court Theatre who had come to watch because we had managed to do a personal best in telling that story in such a short period of time. But it was fun and, uh, you know, just 
again such an absolute joy to be back up on a on a big stage with a big audience talking about the passenger ships after such a long break during the pandemic uh, another pub lunch today it's a popular place the golden lion which is really nice um, and uh, again just after the lecture chatting to people about their stories and the history of ocean liners and um, meeting some other um, entertainers who are um, also on board the ship other australians and talking to them about their experience has been really really nice as well so uh, the this afternoon there was afternoon tea uh, in the afternoon um, spent some time in the gym the queen elizabeth has a pretty reasonable um, gym on board a very very uh, well stocked and um, two uh, rowing machines lots of treadmills uh, exercise bikes there's cross trainers weights and then there's a big aerobic studio as well and uh, on this trip I've actually uh, booked a space in the thalassotherapy spa for the first time ever all these trips I've done on um, Cunard and I've never used the spa facility on board so I'm going to give that a try in a couple of days time so I'll come back to you um, with some more updates from Queen Elizabeth after this break. And also I'm going to spend some time trying to find some other passengers to have a little bit of a chat with and find out what they think of Queen Elizabeth back in Australian waters. So after this break, we'll be back and uh, over to you again, Baz. Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, if you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, we use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, and in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, and in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about... 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a, a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance Thanks so much, Baz. So, yeah, I'm here with Amber Jade, who's one of the entertainers on board Queen Elizabeth. In fact, the headline entertainer in the Royal Court Theatre. She's an award-winning uh, artist, and I just wanted to spend some time asking her about the life of working on board cruise ships as an entertainer. So thank you so much for joining us, Amber. Thank you for having me, Chris. You're very welcome. So when did you start uh, working on cruise ships? How did you get, like, into working on cruise ships? Well, I was actually extremely young when I, start when I did my first cruise. I was 19 years old. And I had been doing performances, like land-based performances in, in the clubs at, at home in Sydney. And then there was an agent... Gosh, I'm thinking way back now. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there was an agent from Miami, Barry Ball Agency, that they came out to Sydney and did a, a showcase. So all different acts did a few songs each. Uh, like a show, there was an audience and everything, mm. and then they just kind of picked picked some people to really? add to their books. Yeah. So my first cruise was when I was 19 years old, doing my own show. Uh, 19, on a, wow. On a, on a Holland America cruise. It was a Holland America world cruise. Do you remember the name of the ship? Yeah, it was the Amsterdam. The Amsterdam. Oh, wow. Yeah, the so, Amsterdam. Yeah. And I went from Sydney to Numea, and I just couldn't even believe that I... Because then what happened, when we got to Numea, I was with a couple of seasoned entertainers, <laughs> and there was something wrong with our flights, and we had to spend an extra two days in Numea. 
and they were so angry and I just remember that I couldn't believe my luck that I was getting paid extra money to stay in a resort after being on a beautiful cruise mm. it was actually mind-blowing to me so I thought I, I think I got the bug then yeah. And do you still have that sort of um, sense of wonder and excitement? By I mean, coming back first time since COVID, I believe. Yeah. Look, I, now I think if I had to stay back two days, I probably would have been like the other <laughs> entertainers. But mind you, I'm in Adelaide, not New Mia today. So um, no, um, no, I still still love it. I'm still here. It's it's it was um, nice having the break for a couple of years, but then it's nice to be back as well mm. because. It freshens it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's the difference, would you say, between being um, entertaining, say, on a cruise ship and then the land-based entertainment that you do? I mean, you're obviously living with and hanging out with your audience at all times on the cruise ship. Yes, I think the living with your audience is probably the hardest part because you you kind of always have to be a little bit on mm. and you, you, you can't really talk too loudly or, or you just don't know who's listening or... or but then you don't know if people saw your show, didn't see your show, liked your show, hated your show. You sure. Know? So, well, they do let you know sometimes, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they, they usually do. Yeah, so it's um, so so that's interesting. When you when you do a show on land, you finish the show, you pack up, you go home, you put a load of laundry on, and you keep going with Get your day. Your yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, it's a bit different. And like for a. A uh, passenger who, say, one of the listeners, for example, who's just sort of sitting there at home thinking about the experience of going to a show on a ship and you go down to the theatre and you wait and then you get introduced and then the performers are on. What's happening behind the scenes that they don't see, they don't know about? Um, I mean, all the preparation work. Well, I mean, we have a rehearsal, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of hours before the show and I wish I could say that there was something, ex some pre-show ritual that was really exciting, but I'm usually just watching Netflix <laughs> in my cabin, and then when it's sort of, you know, an hour to go, an hour before showtime, I'll start getting ready. So mm. I don't know. I wish I could say there was, yeah. you know, the, as a, as a team, the band and I all do, you know, group yoga, but we don't. <laughs> we don't. We just. Uh, but you, yeah. you, you play um, clarinet and saxophone and also sing and, and do some dancing on stage. You must have to practice whilst you're on the ship. Yeah, practicing can be an issue. I like to go backstage and practice, but now with COVID, they've got rules about being in crew areas mm. and things like that. So it's a little bit hard. So I was trying to play in my bathroom this cruise and apparently you heard it because you're in the cabin next, next door. door. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> I was trying to be so quiet too. Like I was barely playing. Uh, yeah. And I was in the bathroom with the door closed, towels on the floor. Just to try and do the soundproofing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. And yeah. you still heard me. Oh, so. I was just in the corridor there, yeah. But I mean, the ship's, uh, you know, soundproofing, I suppose, on the ship is, is a bit of a challenging thing. So just to finish up, before I let you have your, your day ashore in Adelaide, um, what would you say the, the, the most memorable cruise that you've done is? I like it when I go to a place that's very far-flung and exotic that I would never go to by flight, you mm -hmm. know. So I've been to Petropavlos Kamchatsky, you know. Oh, wow. That, okay. Yeah, East Russia. Now, that was... Which ship was that on? That was on... It was another whole... Actually, it was the Amsterdam again. Oh, wow. I have done other ships, I promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a fan of the Amsterdam. Well, she's actually moved across to Fred Olsen Cruises now. 
the Amsterdam. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't You'd have to try that, that out. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then I, I did another memorable cruise where I went to Tanzania. I went to Zanzibar and Dar es mm. Salaam and Kenya on a... What was that? That was on Oceania. Okay. Um, so I've got to say they were... Pretty memorable destinations. Yeah. They, yeah, they're the destinations that stick with you. Oh, fantastic. Well, Amber, thank you so much for your time and I hope you enjoy your time in Adelaide and thanks for speaking to us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's a port day and today the ship is in Adelaide. Left the ship early this morning to come into the city. There was a, a shuttle bus put on uh, by Cunard and, uh, and Adelaide to get us uh, to shore. Um, it uh, starts off with a really quite nice drive past the ship actually. You get some really good views of the ship out the windows uh, as she's alongside at the um, at Port Adelaide terminal there. About a 40 minute drive into the city and then uh, spend some time uh, in, in Adelaide checking out the various uh, cafes and restaurants uh, settled on a, a nice little place called Peter Rabbit, uh, which made really good coffee. Uh, so enjoyed that and then had a look around um, the city. And one of the things is uh, first time back in Adelaide since the pandemic, it just seems so busy. It's bustling, there's people everywhere. Um, everyone seems to be uh, full of energy and enjoying uh, their day in uh, the city. So a beautiful sunny day, um, a cloudless sky, and we'll be returning to the ship soon to set sail and make our way across to Melbourne. One more uh, lecture to give um, when the ship is at sea tomorrow will be about the RMS Titanic, uh, which is uh, a new talk for me, but uh, one that I've given a few times on land and it seems to be pretty popular. So hopefully uh, the guests on board the ship enjoy that and I'll um, come back to you from on board as soon as we get back to Queen Elizabeth. So I'm here in the Cafe Corinthia with an old friend of the podcast. It's Alex, who actually did a review of the Queen Mary 2 with Baz all the way back at the beginning uh, of 2020. And he's here on Queen Elizabeth on this uh, uh, inaugural Australian voyage post-pandemic. And I thought I'd ask him a little bit about his experience. So Alex, thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much, Chris. It's lovely to be here and really enjoying sitting here on this lovely morning and having a nice cup of coffee in Cafe Corinthia and just seeing the waves roll by, very fortunate and grateful to be part of this experience. Oh, that's great. And and when you saw Queen Elizabeth uh, in Fremantle Harbour, the first cruise ship back, and then started the embarkation experience, how did you how did you find the whole uh, like atmosphere around the ship's arrival and the experience of getting back on board? Uh, quite exciting, actually. It's really nice to be able to see the cruise ships coming back into port. Obviously, Perth's had its um, restrictions, which have been probably a little bit higher than a lot of other places in the world. And I think having the ability to go on a, a liner from Cunard is just a really exciting thing, a cruise ship, should I say. And, yeah, I really enjoyed the experience of being able to go down there and just, I think there's a sense of presence that you get with a Cunard ship when it comes into port. And um, it was a nice, nice thing to be able to do. To see um, now, with the uh, you know a lot, of, a lot of listeners are wondering around the world about going on cruises and what it's like with all of the changes that happened uh, post pandemic. Uh, the embarkation experience obviously would have included um, several items in, in regards to COVID and testing and um, rat tests and that sort of thing. How did you find that sort of part of the of the experience? Yeah, very different to pre COVID. I think pre COVID, um, the embarkation process was pretty simple, really. It was passport and go through and go through the scanner. Whereas now they're very diligent about the way that they expect things. You've got to have a vaccination certificate. You've also got to have proof that you've done a COVID test within the 24 hour period before embarkation. Um, to be honest, everyone was very respectful and it was very smooth. I think Cunard did a great job of 
holding the people and, and barking them in, in numbers and keeping them separated. And really, there wasn't any delays at all. I thought everyone on land and on board the ship in terms of that was pretty smooth. Um, cases got on board and they met us at our room by the time we'd got to our room and yeah, couldn't, couldn't ask for anything more. Suitcases, yeah. That yeah. was quick, yeah, sorry. quick delivery on, on um, embarkation of Fremantle. Uh, the, the ship itself, I believe this is your first time on board, Queen Elizabeth, uh, you know, having travelled with Queen Mary 2 before, how do you find the ship and, and what is sort of some of the highlights of this ship's design for you? Um, I've got to admit, it took me a little while to get used to the ship. I think having been on Queen Mary 2, it's a very different experience. Um, I really didn't, just took me a bit of time just to walk around, learn where the places are, understand the boat deck, understand where all of the lounges are. And it's really grown on me. I think it's a type of ship where the more time you spend aboard, the more it feels like home. And I think that's, a, that's kind of a feeling I get. I really enjoy the Cafe Corinthia. I love the Commodore Club. I think it's got a brilliant place there um, and I just think that in terms of the Royal Court Theatre I think that's probably just one of the best theatres I've ever seen aboard a ship. And then on board the ship there's, I mean obviously uh, they've got um, bars and lounges, restaurants and that sort of thing opened up again. Cunard's service in the dining room has changed a little bit um, to having an open seating arrangement as well. H how are you finding that experience having been on previous Cunard cruises? I think the ease of just jumping on a table is a little bit limited compared to what it was with the set seating times because with set seating times if you're jumping on a table with others that's a bit easier but in terms of flexibility for what you want to do for the night it's brilliant mm. so you're not really kind of bound to be sitting there at a specific time you can roll in any time from six through till nine and it's brilliant um, and food has been really good and the service in the um, in the restaurant has been great so um, the, only, the only side of that that I've really found is a bit of a difficult one was the fact that you're probably not going to jump on a table with people you don't know as easily as you would before. Yeah, okay. And how do you find the ship in terms of the overall atmosphere and the you know, experience of, of, of going from place to place and, and activities to do on board the ship during, during the sea days? I think the um, entertainment director's really busy and they do a really good job of kind of explaining what's going on during the day. There's everything from quizzes through to bingo through to... Uh, dancing, all sorts of things that go right throughout the day and you never really uh, lack of things to do. I'm one of those people that like to go to the gym and the gym's really well set out. Um, you've got different types of classes they're running there as well and um, it's just really nice to be able to find a little place and enjoy, and, and enjoy the afternoon and watch the waves roll by. And would you have like a one must-do experience on board the ship, something that if a new traveller was coming on Queen Elizabeth they should definitely check out? I think you've got to check out the Royal Court Theatre. I think you'd be crazy not to go to one of the shows in there. I think having it where they've got such a good setup in there and they do such a brilliant job. Um, also, I really enjoy the lectures on board. I think that the guys that are part of the Insights program do a brilliant job and it's <laughs> been really good, really good to be able to see that and learn a lot about ships and about stars and about things that I wouldn't normally look up. Well, thank you so much. That's very nice feedback. Um, and, and finally, uh, before I let you go and get back to your coffee, Alex, um, this ship's obviously going to be based in Australia for quite some time. It was here pre-pandemic, but it's, you know, at its core, it's a British product. So how do you think it suits the Australian cruiser? I think, it, I think it, uh, it, there is definitely a market for Cunard down here in Australia. I think there's a lot of people that really like the, uh, the element of what Cunard's about. It's about silver service. It's about looking after people. It's a little touch of class. Um, I think that one thing that they could probably just fine-tune with that is they could probably just fine-tune probably the outdoor experience on the boat. So something focused on me really achieving that around the poolside, maybe on mm. the back deck mm. as well. 
I think some improvements could be made there. But in terms of their interior experience and the way that they put on their service, it's first class. Yeah. And I think Cunard, you know, they've got a strong history with that and people have an expectation of what they get and they really do deliver on them. It's brilliant. I think the, the bars are first class. The, the Cafe Corinthia is probably one of my favourite places to sit in the morning. And um, I think as, a, as an overall package, I think they do a very good job. Oh, well, I owe you another coffee now, so thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll um, pass back to you, Baz. Take care. If, like me, you're not a great fan of fast fashion and you prefer to do things uh, a little bit more sensitively, if you can... All of our Big Cruise podcast merchandise is uh, sourced using only organic cotton, produced using only green energy, and there is zero plastic used in any of the process or packaging. Um, It's a great alternative to uh, buying a cheap souvenir t-shirt. You can buy merchandise with the Big Cruise podcast logo, or you can design your own. Simply jump on. We've got a whole heap of different uh, designs, different styles of clothing as well. And once again, it's all organic, it's all green energy, and there's zero plastic in the whole production. You'll find the link to how to do that in uh, the show notes for each and every episode but just jump on the website the big cruise podcast and look in the top right hand corner so i'm sitting here in the golden lion pub on board queen elizabeth which is the ship's sort of classic british pub uh have had lunch with a an, another alex actually a, a a person who came up to me after the lecture um and is a fellow historian and he's traveling on board queen elizabeth but he's come all the way from america so alex thanks so much for joining me today yeah, it's very good to be here. Thank you. So, you know, you've come again from the Cal- California all the way across to, to Singapore to travel on Queen Elizabeth around Australia. What made you choose to travel on a cruise ship in Australia? Well, I think Australia is, is such a large uh, country and obviously has a lot of diversity. Um, and uh, it's very cool to get sort of a, a, an overview of a place. And uh, it, for me, it's kind of prohibitive uh, to do it on a, on a, in a car, on a road mm. trip. Sure. So um, a cruise ship is kind of a great way to see many ports all at once and get a feel for local culture in, in each state um, and, and, you know, kind of plan future trips back um, based on what I see uh, in each port. Sure. And you had mentioned before that you'd been to Australia um, before the pandemic. So coming back again, obviously, you, you must have liked it. What, what do you like about being in Australia as, a, as an American visitor? Well, I, I, I think to begin with, um, you know, I found very little culture shock here. Um, I find that, in my opinion... Uh, Australian culture and California culture are very similar in a lot of ways. We're both sort of informal, uh, very friendly, very optimistic. Um, I think there's sort of a similar uh, history in that we're both sort of settler cultures originally in a lot of ways. Um, Obviously, connection to uh, the Anglosphere in Great Britain. Um, And I just, I I find Australians are are adventurous um, and the country is, there's so much to, to adventure in, so much to see. Um, it's new and exciting um, to me, um, and mm. I also feel, again, very, very welcome and very sort of almost at home here. So uh, it's like it's like getting to discover new uh, states for me, but with an additional culture and history, and uh, I, I really do enjoy it. And um, whilst you've been here on the cruise so far, have you have you are you going to or have you been to anywhere that you hadn't visited last time? Uh, yeah, Adelaide and um, Melbourne are both new to me, okay. um, and I'm very excited about Melbourne, which we'll be arriving at tomorrow. Um, so Ad- Adelaide was interesting to see. I, it has kind of a unique history, I, I suppose, um, being settled sort of differently than the other cities. So 
Um, it did it did feel uh, different, noticeably different to me, which was interesting to see. Um, although I must confess, uh, so far Perth and, and Sydney are my my favorite cities that I visited here. <laughs> Fantastic, um, and you know, like obviously limited time in ports and stuff. Uh, traveling around Australia by ship, if you were thinking about recommending a cruise for people who are visiting Australia, is there any tips that you might have about using that time wisely? I think it, it, doing the research, uh, certainly, before you get off the ship uh, is really important to know what is going to be the best use of time, what's going to be most interesting to you, get off the ship as soon as you can. Um, and uh, I, I found that uh, going to sometimes the, the lectures they have beforehand or watching the things uh, in the cabin um, gives you a nice overview sure. of what the tours are going to be like, and you can sort of see if that makes sense or just hire a cab. Um, I personally am a big museum buff, so I always try to hit the museums mm-hmm. um, in each city. But, um, you know, it's good to just drive around, too, and kind of see things. I think the tour buses are, are neat, too, because you just sort of get a feel for a larger uh, swath of, yeah. of uh, area, you know, driving on the highways and things. Yeah, you get to sure. see more of it. And for you, choosing Queen Elizabeth, um, a Cunard ship, you know, there's a lot of history, obviously, connected. You're a historian yourself. Is, did that come into your decision to choose QE for this particular trip? Absolutely. I mean, I, I've only ever sailed on uh, Cunard, and um, to me, it, it is connected to the history of ocean liners and sort of this uh, feels like a long legacy, uh, which is very, very cool. And I think there's a certain sort of magic that is maybe not as present, some other lines, mm-hmm. um, and I really do enjoy it. It's also fun, too, because there aren't a lot of Americans on board, which I really like. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's neat to get to meet people from all over the world mm, and yeah. uh, and kind of have that cultural experience while you're traveling. It's a pretty diverse group, actually, on board this, this particular cruise. It's not just Aussies. It's uh, people from all around the world re-engaging with Australia now that the uh, border restrictions have come down. Yeah, I, I'm, I've, I've talked with some folks from Japan a few days ago, which is really cool, um, and of course, with people from England, and uh, had a conversation with somebody from Scotland a while ago, so... Yeah, it's kind of a, an additional cultural experience uh, while you're traveling, which I think is really neat. Fantastic. And um, on thinking of Queen Elizabeth specifically, do you have a favorite space on board the ship or a favorite thing to do that the Queen Elizabeth offers that maybe other cruise ships might not? Well, um, I mean, again, I've, I've only sailed on Cunard, so I'm not an expert on uh, the differences between different um, ships. But um, I, I really do love being out on the deck um, mm. and walking around third deck. I think it's just so cool. I mean... Being in the middle of the ocean is really, I think, a very special thing, and sure. um, I really try to appreciate it on these cruises um, and, and, you know, get splashed a little bit with the speed sea breeze and um, feel the wind and all that. I think it's, it's very cool, um, and I do like to peek my head in the engineering spaces when the doors are left slightly open. I'm very <laughs> curious just to see what's going on in there. <laughs> well, that actually leads on nicely to my, to my final question before I let you get back to your, um, to your day on board the ship here. Um, you were telling me that you worked on board the uh, USS Iowa, which, of course, was one of the Iowa-class uh, battleships in the U.S. Navy. Uh, that must have been a fantastic experience, and we are the big cruise podcast, but a lot of our listeners love ships, so what was it like to be involved in such a historic ship? It was very special. Um, I, I really uh, tremendously enjoyed uh, working there, and I still go back and visit every chance I, I can. Um, the Iowa-class ships were really the space shuttles of their day mm-hmm. um, and are just tremendously interesting. Um, there are, there's so much to kind of explore. Um, the GE, for instance, built the uh, targeting uh, mechanical computers that wow. they use uh, in the 30s, which are just amazing pieces of machinery. Um, and the ship is, and also having been modernized, um, there's a whole other layer of technology sort of on top of the original uh, World War II tech. So, because mm-hmm. listeners might not realize that the Iowa class was brought back into service during the 1980s. Exactly. Yeah. So there's sort of it sort of has two uh, parallel or separate histories, um, which is really fascinating. And uh, going from being a big gun battleship to sort of more of a missile 
uh, platform and all the changes that happened. They removed a lot of weaponry and added weapons back. And, um, you know, it obviously has just an amazing history. Uh, FDR was, um, was on the ship, was actually, I think, I believe, I don't want to embarrass myself, but I'm pretty sure he went to the Yalta conference wow. um, aboard the Iowa. And so there's just, there's so many things. Every room has some story. Um, and, and the other thing is, we've restored um, much of the ship, much of the areas that are part of the tour. But it being, you know, a ship that's over 800 feet long, there's so much of it that is unrestored. It's a big ship. It's massive, yeah. yeah. Uh, gigantic. And, um, and, and so it's just, it's fascinating to wander around sort of the abandoned, uh, so to speak, parts of the ship um, and, and just sort of find things here and there, you know, a wow. deck of playing cards or a page of a magazine <laughs> or something that you, you just imagine, um, you know, the lives that, that led to this ending up where it is. And uh, it, it's very do, cool. Do you ever find anything from the 1940s on board or is it mainly stuff from the last part of its service? Yeah, mostly it's from the 80s and that's just because the ship was heavily re- refitted. So sure. they, they would have cleaned a lot of that stuff out. Obviously, they did intentionally keep some things. So um, one of the, my favorite little things to show people when I tour them around the ship is in the uh, machining office, which is really quite a spectacle. They they were able to repair the ship at sea, so they have every manner of um, tool you can imagine. Mm. But there's a small uh, gold plaque on one of the uh, desks, and it was uh, engraved and signed by everybody present during the um, ceremonies, uh, the surrender ceremony in Tokyo Harbor in wow. Japan. So it's just it's amazing to to look at an object and. And just, you know, have that connection, that direct connection to such a momentous occasion. Sure. Because Missouri was the ship where the signing officially took place with the exactly. others with the others there as well. The Iowa was also there. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I've been told anecdotally that the Iowa was there um, with its guns pointed at the Imperial Palace. I don't know oh my how goodness. true that is, but I sure. it was there sort of as a show of force. Um, uh, they were both present. I don't know. I don't believe the other two uh, of the Iowa classes were in the harbor, but again, I don't. Because it was remember. the New Jersey and the... Um, Wisconsin is the other okay, one. Okay, Wisconsin, yeah. yes, of course, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your, um, your well, insights and your thoughts. One, one more thing sure. about working on the Iowa that was so special um, is, is talking to the, the veterans. Uh, that was really interesting, oh, hearing their stories. A lot of volunteers on the ship uh, served in the 80s aboard the ship so just it was tremendously cool to get to hear all the stories and uh feel that connection that sort of human connection to uh this magnificent machine thank you so much oh, yeah great. my pleasure well, i hope you enjoy the rest of your time on board and uh, the rest of your cruise through to sydney and uh um i'm sure the audience have really enjoyed this little snapshot of, of insight into life on board queen elizabeth hey, thanks for having me it was fun thank you And just like that, the first voyage of Queen Elizabeth in Australian waters has come to an end. She's now uh, alongside in Melbourne. I've disembarked the ship and am at the airport waiting to fly off to my next destination. But uh, just to reflect a little bit on that first voyage, again, so exciting to see cruising coming back to Australia and internationally based cruise ships returning here. Kiwi will be in um, waters far away from her home port of Southampton for a long time uh, with the ship operating not only in Australia for the summer season but then also going up and resuming Alaskan cruises which were postponed during the COVID shutdown. Life aboard the ship is very much as I remember it uh, major changes that include uh, the pre-embarkation procedures which require um, a uh, either a PCR or a rapid antigen test and a more extensive health des- uh, declarations. Um, a slightly more involved embarkation process there in Fremantle than prior to the pandemic. Uh, on board the ship in Australian waters on our cruise, masks were required 
in all of the uh, public spaces on board the ship. Uh, this, I believe, is being reviewed as the season goes on, but I think um, from the experience I also had on board Coral Princess, it looks as if masks might be around in Australian waters for some time yet. Uh, but on board the ship, otherwise, all of the services back up and running uh, with the bars and lounges open, show lounge open, um, people enjoying the after-dinner entertainment on board the ship, including um, the shows in the Royal Court Theatre and also live music throughout the ship, which is one of the things that Cunard is so well known for. Uh, myself, I really enjoyed giving the speeches back on board the ship, doing the lectures. I had four talks in the Royal Court Theatre uh, covering everything from early Cunard and QE2 all the way through to the Titanic uh, disaster and the triumphant service of the original Cunard Queens. Uh, and they were well-received, well good audiences, um, lots of people coming up afterwards to talk about the ships and their experiences on board uh, classic ocean liners as well as the current Cunard fleet. So it was really fun to be doing that once again after such a long break uh, during the pandemic. Um, I think that uh, generally passengers on board the Queen Elizabeth were really happy to be back, really happy to see Cunard back in Australian waters, um, really uh, enjoying the amenities and experience on board the ship. Uh, for the first time ever on a Cunard ship, I actually tried out the thalassotherapy pool in the spa and um, had a spa experience, and that was really nice. Also played some table tennis out on the open decks, used the gym on board the ship to stay uh, as healthy as I could during the, the, the voyage because, of course, all that fantastic food that was there um, available for you. And the, the dinner on the last night, which was the gala evening, was by far my favourite um, of the dinner services on board. Um, this new Cunard approach of having the open seating uh, suited us quite well because we were just coming to the restaurant whenever we felt like it. But for those who uh, appreciate the set seating arrangement that Cunard is known for, you can still organise that for the uh, what was the early seating and have an allocated seat with uh, the same people at your table throughout the cruise. So just make sure that uh, if you're in, in doubt, you go and speak to the maitre d' as soon as you board the ship when it's sailing in Australian waters to, to work out uh, the best table arrangement for you. Um, anyway, back to the meals. The, the last uh, night, definitely the, the highlight in terms of um, dinner, um, service on board the ship. It was the gala night and they did have uh, a special menu which included things such as uh, beefed wellington and um, uh, the lobster dish in the uh, Britannia restaurant as well as uh, the traditional baked Alaska for dessert which was um, served in individual portions this time around so it was um, very pretty when it arrived at the table and um, nicely prepared and very tasty as well which was great. And I suppose the last thing that was a real thrill was that they'd organised a Meet the Speakers event, which uh, each speaker who was on board the ship doing the lecture program was able to host a, uh, a session in the uh, yacht club on board the ship. And for me, I uh, was very overwhelmed and surprised and delighted to find uh, a full house in there of people who wanted to come and talk about their shipping experiences, their cruising experiences, and ask questions about the grand old liners of days gone by. And uh, so many of them, uh, so many of you, because I'm speaking to them directly, because they told me they listen to the podcast, which is great. So thank you so much to all of our supporters and everybody who's uh, been following the podcast for all these these years now, and uh, and also those of you who subscribe to my channel as well. 
So for um, from that, from me, from here in Melbourne, that's all I can um, bring you because I have a flight to board now, so I'm going to pass over to Baz. Uh, and uh, once again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this special edition episode, and we'll be back next week with a usual cruise news. Thank you once again, Chris, and uh, thanks also to, of course, the guests that very generously donated their time and thoughts on their uh, their cruise experience there. And just a reminder, to be fully transparent, uh, Chris was travelling as a uh, paid guest of Cunard. He is, of course, uh, delivering his maritime knowledge and experience as part of the Onboard Enrichment Programme. Uh, but if you have uh, recently undertaken a cruise or are about to do so and want to share your cruise experience with us, um, by all means, get in touch via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner, and uh, we look forward to sharing your cruise experience with the, the wider listeners of the, the Big Cruise Podcast. And of course, next week, we will be back with uh, the usual routine where we'll answer the listener questions, we'll share the maritime history, and of course, the latest cruise news. Until next time. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.